0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Martin. Today is Monday, December 21st, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Atlanta. Uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. She comes to Georgia to campaign. John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock in Columbus, Georgia. We were there, and we'll show you what she had to say. In Lamarck, Texas, the police department they have released body camera footage of the officer who shot and killed the 22-year-old Joshua Feast earlier this month. We'll talk with attorney Ben Crump and LaKeisha Feast, Joshua's mother. Also, a coalition of Black pastors in Georgia say Senator Kelly Loeffler's attacks on Raphael Warnock are also attacks on the Black church. We'll talk to two of those pastors. President-elect Joe Biden gets his coronavirus vaccine today, and doctors continue their efforts to convince people to give, do the same. We'll give you the latest on COVID-19. A Dallas couple's cars were set on fire, and Trump 2020 was painted on their house. We will share more with you. Plus, recently released body camera footage one by police officers in Boston showed them deliberately running into protesters with their cars. One officer even bragged about it. And a statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee has been removed from the US Capitol and will be replaced by one honoring a civil rights icon, Barbara Johns. A Kansas City newspaper is apologizing for its racist coverage over the years. A Virginia Beach black man is handcuffed for a crime he had nothing to do with. And Morris Day is here. He'll has, he has new Christmas music that we'll preview. Yo, it is time to bring the funk, a roller mark on filter. Let's go. We are broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia. Today is the beginning of the second week of early voting for the three Georgia runoff races. Three races uh, that uh, involving, of course, John Ossoff. You also have Raphael Warnock, and then you have a a state position where an African American wants to be the first elected statewide in Georgia in 20 years. Well, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, uh, she was in the Peach State today. She was in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, holding a campaign rally for all three of them. Of course, the runoff is January 5th, and she took time out of their schedule. Now, it was supposed to be a rally happening actually right now, but because of the bill that was uh, being voted upon in Congress uh, as we speak, she had to return to Washington, D.C. She still is a U.S. senator from California. Uh, But uh, she did have this to say at today's rally.
5: tell me can we please get up for her so bj i don't know what she doesn't do because she does everything you got to know about her because she is an incredible leader she threw this campaign up to november was organizing folks was registering folks everyone from from young students to the the, the younger of the oldest of us she has been organizing people and still continues to be such a leader and when i look at someone like bj i know our future is bright let's give it up for bj all right well it is so good to be back in georgia it is so good to be back in georgia and i am here first and foremost to thank you all on behalf of joe biden and myself for doing what you did in November. Because you did what no one thought could be done. You did what no one thought could be done. And you made a statement not only about who is Georgia, what is the voice of Georgia, what are the priorities of Georgia, what Georgia will not allow to be denied about Georgia, but you also made a statement about who we are as a country. You allowed people around this nation to say, "Uh uh-huh, don't ever put us in a box and tell us who we are. We will tell you who we are. That's what you did. That's what you did right here in Columbus. And so I am here, first and foremost, on behalf of Joe Biden and myself to say thank you. Thank you for what you did. And of course, no good thank you comes without asking for a little bit more. So, January 5th, January 5th. You know, 2020 has been a difficult year. 2020 has been rough. You know, people keep making jokes about 2020, like, we want this thing to be over. But you know what? As far as I'm concerned, Georgia,
1: Columbus,
5: 2020 ain't over until January 5th.
1: That's when 2020 will be over. That's when we'll get this thing
5: done. Because, as you know,
1: everything is
5: at stake when it comes to the need to elect Reverend Raphael Warnock to elect John Ossoff
1: to elect
5: Daniel Blackman. Everything is at stake. Everything that was at stake in November
1: is at stake
5: leading up to January 5th. Look at what's happening right now in this state. We're looking across the country at so much devastation. People who have lost family members,
1: lost time being able
5: to to go to work, lost time in terms of our children's education and the days of their education they have missed. There has been so much loss these years. And in particular this year, we're looking here in Georgia at the fact that one in seven families is describing their household as being hungry. We're in the midst of a hunger crisis in America, and it's hitting Georgia hard. One in seven describing hunger in their households.
1: One in six
5: Georgian families are describing an ab- inability or difficulty to
1: pay rent.
5: One in four small businesses in Georgia have gone out of business or are about to go out of business. And what we are here to talk about and why everyone, all the leaders are here right now together, because if you're here, you're a leader, is to say that we will have our voices heard we will not let anyone silence us we will speak up about what we need we will tell you what we want and we will make it happen through our vote and just like you did you will do it again (laughs) and here's the thing you know i was i was here joe biden was here we were all here together in georgia before november and remember how we knew what was at stake in the challenge ahead of us. We knew, like Stacey Abrams has been telling us and organizing against it, that there would be powerful people trying to prevent us from voting. We knew the kind of games they would play
1: to make it
5: difficult, to suppress our vote, to make it confusing, to discourage us. And in November, we talked about that and we said we know the challenge that is before us. Well, the same
4: challenge exists today. Of course, VP-elect Kamala Harris was here because Democrats understand how critical these two seats are. If Democrats win these two seats, that means they control the United States Senate. It will be 50-50. And once she is inaugurated, uh, she would break any tie. This is also important because it would solidify Georgia as a swing state, a state that is no longer solid red. So uh, all of this is at stake uh, here. Uh, and so that's what you're looking at here. Joining us right now now, Pam, Dr. Avis jones Weaver, political analyst, Mustafa Santiago Ali, former senior advisor for environmental justice, EPA, Julian Malvo, economist, President, Emira Bennett College. First and foremost, um, I'll start with you, um, Avis, and that is when you look at what is happening uh, in this state, uh, it is a changing state. The work that you heard Kamala Harris say, the work that Stacey Abrams and the Fair Fight and others did, registering people, going out there, putting folks on the rolls. Uh, the fact that you're seeing significant increase, black turnout, Latino turnout, young votes turnout. This is how you change a state. Uh, and so they want to constantly have the momentum. Last week. 1.3 million people uh, have already voted or in, in person or via absentee balloting. Uh, and so Democrats, they want to win this on the ground. Republicans want to uh, saturate the airwaves. But the reality is there's no more airtime to buy. This is going to come to, down, come to turnout. And that's why today's rally uh, was so important. And going to a place like Columbus, uh, that's not in Metro Atlanta, but has, that has a sizable black population.
6: Absolutely true. I mean, <clears throat> if you look at where we have been uh, with Georgia, what we're seeing right now is a state that is shifting, that is shifting demographically. And then you compound that with the just tremendous organizing that's been happening at the grassroots level uh, with uh, a, a, you know not only Stacey Abrams, but if you look at what Latasha Brown is doing and, and others who are based in Georgia all the time various members from the Black Women's Roundtable, uh, there has been a lot of work that has been put in to give the outcomes that we saw in November. And guess what? They have not let up one iota. They are still out there uh, doing the work to get that turnout because they know that everything that they fought for in November is on the line with this particular runoff. And uh, if anything, they're just doubling down and going even harder so that they can make sure that that turnout is at least at the level that it was uh, for the November election. Hopefully it'll be enough to take them over the finish line.
4: Um, When you look at uh, what is happening in this state, when you look at, again, these critical rural areas, Mustafa, uh, it means going there, spending the time there. We were in Savannah on uh, on Friday. We were in Athens on Saturday. Uh, the folks at Black Voters Matter, I've been talking to them. They're, they're, gonna be, they're focused on places that, that's not Atlanta. They are focused on these rural areas because they want to increase the turnout in these places.
7: Yeah, you know, it's amazing that, that folks are everywhere, it seems like, all the time. Uh, and. They're actually making sure that they're talking to folks who normally or sometimes actually get, um, unfortunately, don't get the attention that they deserve. So um, I know, you know, Daniel Blackman, who's a good friend of mine, that he's always been focused on rural communities. I know Reverend Warnock uh, very similarly understands the value and the power of making sure that you're creating a coalition that touches everyone. So it's exciting to see so many doors continually getting knocked on and making sure everyone know that they are valued Uh, That they're going to be honored by these folks um, and that they are needed uh, to make it across the finish line.
4: Uh, Julian Malvo, this is going to be uh, obviously uh, a very, very, very close race. Uh, President elect Joe Biden, he was here in uh, Georgia last week, he was in Metro Atlanta. Uh, Of course, uh, Vice President elect Kamala Harris going out to Columbus. Uh, we saw Senator Tim Kaine from Virginia. He has been here. Uh, also, uh, Oleon Castro has been here with John Ossoff. Uh, and so no word, no word if uh, former President Barack Obama uh, plans to come to Georgia. But Democrats certainly need to pull out all of their guns in order uh, to combat uh, Republicans. They are the incumbents, Kelly Leffler and David Perdue. Uh, And so, you know, so the question is, I doubt, you know, there's no word whether Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton uh, or others are going to come here. uh, But again, they have to pull out all of the stops to make sure to get their folks out in order to win.
8: Roland, you're absolutely right. And Mustafa is right about the whole issue of where people are going. Jamie Harrison in uh, South Carolina has a pack that talks about the I forget the name of it's like the end of the road pack but it's people who have never been touched by political figures. So they feel completely alienated. So going to Savannah, going to rural Georgia, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not so sure, to be honest with you, how much sense it makes to bring an Obama or a Clinton in when you have that blonde, that Barbie lookalike running around talking about radical socialism, etc. Because we don't want to alienate those who are on the fence i think it would be great especially if president obama would come but i also julian
4: there's julian there's nobody on the fence julian there's nobody on the fence nobody's on the fence this is not an on-the-fence election they decided the issue is you got to get them out and so bringing in and obama brings cameras brings attention you got to get people excited and get them out. Nobody is like, there are no undecideds in Georgia.
8: But Roland, but Roland, seriously. Okay, getting them out is one thing, but who are you getting out? Bringing an Obama in, does that bring the crazy, you know your word, crazy, you know what, white people out? Because right now, at this moment, you have these crazy, you know what, white people who are basically rallying themselves around uh, what's that girl's name? Uh, the Barbie and um, and. Kelly um, Leffler. <laughs> okay, I I didn't forget her name. I just don't call fools names in public.
4: No, anyway. you need. But here's the deal, though. Here's the deal, though. They, the, here's the deal. They're talking about bringing in Trump, bringing in Mike Pence. So guess what? You got to match big gun with big gun.
8: Okay, I don't disagree with you. I'm just thinking ahead. At the end of the day. What is most important... To too. You,
4: Try to win!
8: The <laughs> most important thing is turnout. The most important thing is turnout, and the turnout has to come from places where we haven't seen it before. We have to see our folks in these rural areas where no one has ever seen them. It's not enough that Raphael Warnock, and I bless him, a friend, um, good people, it's not enough that he can get his church out. It's like, who else can he get out? same thing with Asaf. I mean, he is engaged younger people, which is important, but who else can they get out? Meanwhile, you got this, these people, um, I'm I'm about, try not to curse on your show, so these uh, Maryland farming idiots uh, essentially um, are attempting at every end to basically minimize the importance of the black vote. Loeffler's attack on Warnock is ridiculous. But at the same time, what's real here? I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, contrarian here. I'm just trying to say, let's think ahead. And I do think that turnout is critical. It's the most critical thing. It's really the only thing.
4: Well, but, 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 okay, but, okay, I'm confused. I'm confused. Because if we, if we know turnout is critical, it kind of makes sense to bring out the most popular Democrat you have in the country. To me, it kind of makes sense, Avis, that you would want, that you would be impressing upon Obama to make an appearance here probably on maybe next Monday. Because here's the deal. Early voting ends December 30th or 31st, depending upon your county. Then the election is January 5th. You've got Christmas on Friday, you've got New Year's Eve the following Thursday, Friday. Then you got that last weekend, which is January second through the fifth. That's that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Bomb line is here. I'm looking forward as uh, looking forward as well, and I'm saying I'm looking forward to win. You have this is a turnout election, and if Obama comes out, first of all, you the folk on the right, we we, we know where they stand, but the issue is. In runoffs, Avis, typically Republicans do better because Democrats don't come out. That's why you bring your big guns. That's why you put them on the camp. That's why you flood the zone. That's why if you're the Democrats... And you're sitting here in Georgia. That's when you ask, look, look, Will Packer, Lynn Whitfield, Kiki Palmer, Common, they did events this weekend, Friday and Saturday in in Savannah, as well as in Clayton County. This is where you sit here and say, fine, you bring back Morehouse men, Sam Jackson and Spike Lee. Uh, You figure out all the folk you can bring. You sit here and flood all these different cities. You send them to Warner Robins and Columbus and Savannah. You send them... uh, all over to these places. You send them to Augusta, to Macon, to all the different places because that at the end of the day, that's how you get it. When we were in Albany, they said point blank that the turnout, the African American turnout was fifty-eight percent. Wow. Fifty-eight. What happens if you move that to sixty-five, to sixty-eight, to seventy? That could win the election.
6: It certainly could. I mean, the key to Georgia is the black turnout point-blank period. Uh, the, the degree to which you can maximize that turnout is the degree to which we can breathe a sigh of relief in terms of being able to flip the Senate. And I happen to agree. You want to be able to pull out all your guns. Now, I would happen to think that the if you ask me, the most popular Democrat in America is actually Michelle Obama. Uh, but I don't believe she, you know, she's made it plain that she no, it, is not it, a huge she, fan she of She ain't politics. campaigning.
4: First of all, exactly. She, she, exactly. Remember, remember, Michelle Obama... Michelle Obama did nothing in person leading in up to person, November third. Right, she, she did, did no two events, videos. virtual, exactly. she but did. she did no no rallies.
6: Exactly, she did no rallies. She did two videos that I thought were very compelling. I'd love to see her do that again, and I would de- definitely love to see uh, a Barack Obama on the ground as well as any and everybody who will motivate people to turn out. I mean, this is not the time to he- hold anything back. You bring everybody to the table that can get that next person to be motivated and that next person to be energized and that next person to take the step to vote early or to show up on election. Because let me tell you, we already know, we already know, we have to overperform to be able to get the type of impact that we need because we know the other side will do everything they can to steal the voting power away from black people. So we can't just show up. We have to show up. Uh, at a magnified scale, knowing that part of what we're looking to do is going to be challenged, if not thrown out all the way, by shenanigans by the other side.
8: But Avis, what about
4: the uh, backlash? Mustafa, the thing. B- 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 the back- there is no I'm backlash. So- it's a runoff. All right. It's a I'm runoff. But what? what's the, hold up, but what's the backlash? It's a, run- okay, so how about this here? Republicans don't give a damn about Democrat backlash bringing in Trump, bringing in Pence. They don't care. They're saying, oh, if Trump and Pence can juice turn out, bring them in. That's what you do. You don't run saying, well, they, they already are not going to vote for you. So your job is say, if I can get more of my people out and more of my people be more of their people, then I win. But I ain't never heard a strategy, well, I think I can win if I, don't, if I don't fire all my bullets, but I might be able to win this thing. Hey, I believe you go down with no bullets left.
7: That's just me, Mustafa. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I hear what you're saying. So I think it's, it's good to have uh, former President Obama there, but I'd also have Frankie Beverly and Mays and Big Boy and Andre 3000 because those are individuals that folks... Uh, in Georgia and across the country want to see, want to hear from. Um, so as you said, you got to utilize everything that you got. So let's get the folks that people listen to, care about, uh, honor and value in the mix.
4: Hey, that's, uh, look, all I'm saying is this here, Julian. We've been on the ground now for uh, two or uh, three weeks. We're going to be here through January 5th. We, we had Glenda Carr from Higher Heights on here. They hit the, stra- the hit the poll from Hit Strategies. I think it was 35% of the black women poll did not know the runoff was January 5th, okay? No. Because they had to move the rally. We, we were, look, we were, we were in Columbus today. There were people in, Col- black people in Columbus who did not know that Kamala Harris was there. Wow. We were actually at the gas station. We, well, no, hold on a second. We were at the gas station, filling up to drive back to Atlanta. <clears throat> and we, we see, we see uh, I thought she had already left, uh, but she, she clearly had, had a meeting and then they left later. So all of a sudden, motorcycles come by, motorcade, black, black woman, black woman, the car next to us, she goes, man. Something big must be going on. I said, well, Vice president let Kamala Harris is in town. She said, really? I didn't know that. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't know about you. Columbus ain't that big. Now (laughs) granted, it it was a last minute deal. It was a last minute deal. The thing dropped on Saturday. The drive-in rally. They were filled to capacity. But I can tell you, when Joe Biden was here, even though the place was filled to capacity, The whole street was lined with people. There were a few people who were there for Harris. But again, that's one of those things to me where you want to bring in a wave of heavy hitters and people know what's going on. And and it's it's just constant awareness because, again, there are people in this state who don't even realize there's a runoff on January 5th. Julianne, final comment.
8: First of all, I want to commend you for being there in Georgia. I think it's really important that you're there and you're sharing really important information. Secondly, I agree with you that there's not enough information out there, and it needs to be out there. Thirdly, my concern is that I'm not trying to be a contrarian, although I've been accused of that many times. But I just think that we need to think about how this plays out. Obama is a lightning rod for white people, Um, and so are many others. And so while we strategically use folks like uh, Vice President-elect Kamala, I think we also just need to think about some of this. I think Mustafa is right in terms of who people listen to. And I'm just concerned. I don't want, I mean, you said who's going to vote for is who's going to vote for, but I don't want these folks to get all ginned up and decide they're going to vote more because they see this as some liberal socialist plot, which is what the little blondie is saying about Reverend Warnock. Maybe I'm just being cautious. Maybe I'm well, getting here's old.
4: Well, the deal. He is, he is, I think you're you getting a little too cautious there, Julian. Bottom line is, it's a black man already running for the U.S. Senate. So, hell, they scared of black folk. Uh, Obama ain't going to be nothing different because uh, they probably already scared of Warnock. All right, folks, let's go to this uh, case in Texas we've been covering with the Lamarck Police Department. They have released body camera footage of the officer who shot Joshua Feast earlier this month. On December 9th, Feast was shot by Officer Jose Santos across the street from his uncle's home. Here is the body camera footage that was
9: released.
2: 1,000 block of uh, Purtle, 1,000 block of Purtle, send me units now. Show me your hands,
10: show me your hands, show me your hands. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Help me.
2: 41, we're in front of 1010 Purtle. Right,
10: right,
2: Stage okay. medics. First unit to get here, I need you to, to recover the gun. He dropped it just outside of Dodge Charger. Stay on the ground, do not move. Put your arms out to the side, Josh. Josh, put your arms out to the side. Hey, stay inside for me. Stay inside for me. Uh, it's just, it's somewhere on the ground. He, he pulled it out his waistband uh-huh. as he took off running. Uh-huh. Forty one thirteen, you copy traffic? 10-4, just make sure you copy traffic. Keep an eye on that house, too. This house? Yeah. Uh, Cyrus' house. 41, see if county and Tech City can send units out here. We've got a large crowd starting to gather. Josh, talk to me. Log that 34 had to pick up the gun because we got a large crowd. Rob, please don't start. Rob I'm gonna talk to you a little bit, Rob.
11: I heard you say I heard the gunshot, then I heard you talk about shoulder no head. Y'all
10: back up.
2: 41, I, yeah. 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 I need units here quick, have step it up. Yeah. I don't care where they come from.
10: Y'all back up, back up!
2: Yeah. Hey, first unit comes up, get that white. The guy in the white do-rag. Rob, he's the one instigating everything.
10: Still breathing, y'all. And I, I can't get, Rob,
12: Still hey, Rob, I can't, Rob, Rob, I can't, Rob, I can't get medicine here till y'all stop. Y'all just wait,
2: y'all just wait, y'all just wait. Y'all just wait. Yeah, you, you, go. You see this? I can't get medics over here until we get this figured out. Right, he pulled out a gun. He got a couple of felony warrants. He pulled a gun on
10: me.
2: When I get supervisor here, I'm going to need y'all to determine if we need to bring the medics in or carry him out. Let's put them in cuffs. Tip have them stage. We got a large crowd right now. Hey, buddy. I can't hear what you're saying. I got a lot of screaming.
4: Investigators say Feast was a person of interest and possibly connected to the recent to recent shootings in the area now. According to Feast's uncle. The 22-year-old was outside talking to the mother of his child. That's when Officer Santos was driving down the street and made a U-turn. Santos pulled up and yelled Feast's name. Feast took off on foot and then Officer Santos opened fire, striking Feast in the back. Civil rights attorney Ben Crump, who is representing the Feast family, says the body cam confirms that a defenseless man was shot in the back who posed no threat to to Santos. Joining me now is attorney Ben Crump. Uh, as well as um, just uh, pull up here, uh, give me one second. We're going to we're waiting for the mother to call. Um, um, uh, and so again, that footage uh, there was, uh, came from the uh, Houston uh, TV station. We did not get the direct footage. We're still working on that. Ben Crump joins us right now. Ben, there's several different things here. First of all, that video was five minutes uh, long. He shot very early in the video. You hear the officer saying, I got to wait to call in medics. Then toward the end there, you hear him say, let's put him in cuffs. He's already shot in the back. They made no effort to provide aid for him for almost four minutes.
11: Yeah, you know, Roland, as uh, Monique Presley and I have discussed, he fails to do his uh, duties as a first responder. You even hear the uh, neighbors who came out the house saying, He's still breathing. Do something to help him. And the police tells them, no, no, you all stay back. And yet he won't do anything to try to help save his life. We believe that, you know, once we get into this case, if there was any chance that uh, medical attention paid to Joshua Feast would have saved his life, that's going to be another charge on top of the unnecessary shooting of a defenseless man in the back as he ran away from him, Roland. And and I just have to say this because I want to give uh, Lakeisha, his mother, time to talk when she comes on. The witness accounts out there on that video clearly say the officer never said stop. He never said freeze. And the only time, Roland Martin, that he said, put your hands up, is after he shot him. And he's lying on the ground, bleeding out, dying.
4: Um, one of the things that um, is, is also uh, strange, you, you hear the officers saying uh, to the crowd, get back, get back, get back, um, send units in, in as, as possible. Um, and again, w- w- what, what is strange to me is that you shoot someone, you offer no aid, then your whole deal is get the crowd under control. There's a body laying right there. And then put the cuffs on him. Yeah. And based upon the the autopsy y'all had conducted, the autopsy y'all had conducted showed uh, that pretty much he was dead there on the ground.
11: Yeah and then they put the handcuffs on him, Roland. And, and, you know, it begs the question, Roland Martin, because you and I talk often, I know Mustafa was on earlier and we were talking about how much he enjoys our conversations and fighting for our people. Think about this, just opposed to Kyle Wittenhouse, the young white man in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who shot three people, killing two of them, and had an assault weapon around his neck, walking towards the police. And they did not see him as a threat. Nobody attempted to arrest him. Nobody shot him in the back. Nobody killed him. But yet, a black man running away from you, who you claim has dropped the weapon, based on your own testimony, why shoot? Why treat him less than a human being when you handcuff him while he's obviously unconscious? But that's how they do our people, and it reminds me of the scene with Michael Brown and Ferguson, where the black people started gathering around, and it reminds me of George Floyd, where all the people started gathering around saying, look at the lack of humanity that they extend to our children.
4: Uh, That is, uh, that's precisely it there when you talk about uh, that, that lack of humanity. Um, you and uh, Joshua Feast's mother uh, first got to see this video, correct? Uh, When was that? When did the city show y'all the video before it was released to the public?
11: They showed it to us rolling on Thursday afternoon. And, uh, you know, his mother has been such a pillar of privilege for their family. He's been dignified and faithful to be there for his three-year-old son, his five-year-old daughter, uh, Joshua Jr. and Aaliyah, but it was when she saw that video and saw her son lying on the ground, not blurred out, because when you go to uh, your social media and my social media, we want people to see, actually, him lying on that ground as his mother saw him, said, I'm hurt, help me, help me, I need help. And that's when she just lost it, because she's like, and he won't help my son. He shot him in the back, and now he's just going to let him die. And that's that's her firstborn son, Roland. So this is why we have to bring attention to this matter, because this is the 95th person killed since George Floyd was tortured to death in Minneapolis on May 25th, 2020. The 95th black person killed. Let me be clear about
2: that.
4: We are waiting to uh, speak to uh the mother of joshua feast Uh, they'll let me know very soon when she is on the line uh ben we think about this case we think about uh michael slater we think about so many different cases where these officers firing weapons at someone who's running away and it it begs to, to ask the question again why are you firing at someone who's running away who didn't assault you, didn't fire at you, didn't, but it's sort of like, oh, I see weapon, I'm about to fire at you. I mean, that, that, and again, because here's the deal. The officers say, oh, he had, he had a couple of felony, felony warrants, you know who he is. You know who he is. Yep.
11: Yeah. Roland, it's one of the most cowardly things you can do uh, to fire at a defenseless man running away from you. But it's almost like a cliché, the police shooting black men in the back. When you think of Stephon Clark in Sacramento, California, in his grandmother's backyard, when you think of Laquan McDonald in Chicago running away and out 14 of those police officers lied and questions about Rahm Emanuel, what he knew, when you think about Terrence Crutcher in Tulsa, Oklahoma, walking away with his hands up slowly, hands up, don't shoot on video, and the white policewoman, Betty Crutcher, shot him in the back. And then you think about uh, Jacob Blake Jr. in Kenosha, running away from him. The guy grabbed his shirt, shoots him seven times, point-blank range. And as Monique and I were talking about it, uh, and then we look at Joshua Feast, and as Monique broke down to me so eloquently, you know, she's one of your panelists, Monique Presley is brilliant, and I know this is your hometown, so it's really personal to you and her. But it is this whole notion of them lying about it or attempting to lie about it. The sheriff said his investigators said that uh, Joshua Feast pointed the gun at him and was coming towards him, and now they had to walk that back. Now they're just trying to say... Oh, well, he pulled a gun on me. But I believe once the witness accounts are documented, they're going to have to walk that back because there were a lot of witnesses out there. And they say Joshua Feast never, ever pointed any weapon at this police officer. He did what most black people do when the police confront them you try to get away from the police.
4: But that's it, but, but it's the line. It's the lying. This to me sounds just like Laquan McDonald. When they lied, the cops said, oh, Laquan McDonald was charging at the cop. And then the videotape that Rahm Emanuel tried to suppress until it was released showed exactly what happened. He was not coming forward. It was a flat out lie. And this is what I also keep saying. When these cops lie, in these statements, that should be automatic termination.
11: Exactly, Roland. And I don't even understand how this particular officer, Officer Jose Santos, even has a job now. Because when you look at what he did in 2013 to an unarmed black man, Reginald Davis, how they kicked him and stomped him and hit him and put his head underwater in Galveston, Texas, when he was with the Galveston Police Department, it begs the question. But it leads us to a larger conversation, Roland Martin, and this is the... You're the perfect person to have this uh, conversation with with your political acumen. The fact that... Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris and President Joe Biden are talking about the need to have this national police registry that of uh, misconduct. So they can't uh, brutalize our people at one department and then be allowed to resign and then go to the next county and get another job. At another police department and then the brutality escalates to murder we saw that with tamir rice 12 years old in cleveland when that officer had been forced to resign and then six months later the cleveland police department hires him and then less than two weeks he shoots that 12 year old baby on the playground by himself in less than 1.7 seconds when he pulls up well officer santos it continued his propensity to use excessive force against black people led to Joshua Feast's death. And Joshua Feast should be here this Christmas with his three-year-old son, Joshua Jr., and his five-year-old daughter, Aaliyah. But yet, because this officer was uh, allowed to keep his badge and gun after his conduct had been condoned, and it was heinous how they beat that brother up in 2013 but yet we see what happens when you don't condemn that behavior it leads to our children being killed
4: uh, looks like we're having some we're having some uh, difficulty reaching uh, lakeisha feast uh, so hopefully we'll be able to get her uh, on the show tomorrow uh ben uh we certainly appreciate you uh joining us Uh, sharing this information with us. It's a story that we certainly are going to continue to cover. And again, and to your point, George Floyd was murdered Memorial Day uh, in May of 2020. And we continue to see these actions take place by police departments, which which shows you why you need the George Floyd Justice Act uh, on the federal level, which shows you why you need to deal with qualified immunity, which shows you why you need to have counties and cities also changing policies this battle people can get mad with the slogan of defund the police but as you said 95 people 95 95 families 95 African Americans have since George Floyd's death repeat that again Ben for people I want it to sink in especially for the people who talk about defund the police what you said the the number 95
11: since May 25th 2020 practically June within a 6 month time span 95 African Americans have been killed by the police during a pandemic rolling martin during the time we all supposed to be shut down everything seems to have shut down in America except racism and discrimination as it relates to black people having confrontations with police. And that's what the issue is. And that's why we have to have the Biden administration address this matter in their first 100 days. We cannot wait on this, because look how many children we lost in just these last 150 days.
4: Absolutely sad. Uh, Ben Crump, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much for joining us, sir. Thank you, Roland. Mustafa, to the point being made, um, again, p- people, all this brouhaha over the phrase, defund the police, 95 black people dead at the hands of cops since George Floyd was murdered less than six
7: months ago. Yeah, many of these are executions. I don't think there's any other way to say it, but then just to call out that they are executions. They are continuing to happen in our sacrifice zones, in these killing fields across our country where extreme violence is the way that that the police deal with our communities. And we have to continue to push back against this. We got to make sure there's a Department of Justice that actually is going to hold these police departments accountable when these types of acts happen. And as Ben said... We need to stop just moving police officers, bad police officers around to different police departments when they get in trouble or they get let go by one of them. And that's the only way this dynamic is ever going to change. We've got to make sure no longer having folks who should not be officers being officers. And two, got to stop dehumanizing and allowing these areas, these black and brown communities to be killing fields.
4: This is why, um, Julian. When when, when we talk about um, how do you how do you impact systemic change? Um, um, Actually, I'll go to Avis. This is why Avis. We cannot pull back. This is why it has to be constant, sustained pressure and advocacy because this system has shown itself that it'll tolerate a few protests. It'll tolerate a few months of upheaval, but the intensity of the protests in the aftermath of the George Floyd death should be the same or greater in December as it was in May.
6: Yeah, this is it's it's just disturbing uh, to see this continuation, and I would argue that me the funding the focus needs to be on demilitarizing the police because what you are seeing right here is a culture that sees the people that they are sworn to protect and 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 defend is actually the enemy. Um, they are treating black people as if. Uh, we are an enemy and their whole job is to run up on us and kill us like it's a killing field, like it is a wartime situation. So to me, that is a focus not just on the armament uh, that police departments have, but also on the mentality uh, that is rampant through their culture. I'd also say that this specifically to me, once again, shows how important these Georgia elections are. I just, we just cannot reiterate that enough in terms of taking control of the Senate, because we saw that there was, in fact, a Justice and Policing Act that had passed the House that Mitch McConnell recently killed, that within that law, one of the many things that it had included was specifically a provision to create an accounting, a role, a database of police officers who had engaged in violent activities in one jurisdiction, so that that would preclude them from going to another jurisdiction And getting rehired, exactly the situation that happened here. And the reason why that is not law is because we had a Republican controlling the Senate and a Republican in the White House. Listen, having a Biden-Harris administration with a Democratic House but still a Republican Senate is not going to be enough to create the type of massive change that we need in terms of legislation that would prevent things like this from happening in the future. Mm
4: All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back, we're going to talk about uh, the Georgia Senate runoff race where black pastors are making it clear to Kelly Leffler, back up when it comes to your attacks on the black church. We'll also talk about uh, a Boston cop caught on body camera footage admitting and laughing about running over protesters. That's next. Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia. We'll be back, back in a moment.
8: Trump can show up and say anything, and they can just go, oh,
0: yeah. The African-American community was great to us. They didn't vote. You know, he just called you stupid. Did you
1: hear that? Oh, 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 but he's for us. Really? And they were just regurgitating the things that they had heard on a radio or in the barbershop or something somebody had told them. They hadn't thought about it. Democracy is uh, in danger because people don't know how to think. I'm done with trying to convince people to try to vote for their, you know, for their, for their life. You have to run for your life. I'm gonna go try to get people who are open to it and, and, and lead them. I'm done with hope. Fuck hope. Fight. Daring
0: to demand the right to vote for black Americans in Selma, Alabama, 55
7: years ago, John Lewis was nearly killed as he and hundreds marched across this bridge. That movement's courage secured the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. But the promise of equal justice in America remains unfulfilled. So together,
0: we'll fight for a new Civil Rights Act and a new Voting Rights Act to ensure equal justice
7: for all, no matter the color of our skin, to end racial profiling and police brutality, and to stop anyone from suppressing the sacred right to vote. Congressman Lewis gave me my first job. He instilled in me the conviction to fight for justice.
0: He said to never give in, never give up, keep the faith, and keep our
7: eyes on the prize. I'm John Ossoff. I approve this message.
0: Too many
13: people struggled, suffered, and died to make it possible for every American to exercise their right to vote.
3: There's a lot of stuff to do this time of year get the tree done, hang the lights, not yet, wrap presents, check. But this year, there's one extra thing to do, vote. That's right, early voting starts December 14th, so make voting part of your holiday plans. It'll probably take you less time than it'll take me to do this. I'm Raphael Warnock, and I approve this message.
1: We learned early in Sunday school that thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not have no other gods before me. Raphael Warnock's opponent seems to have forgotten these basic Sunday school lessons.
9: Her gods agreed her lies about Pastor Warnock. And her shady Wall Street
14: practices are evidence of this. And on January the 5th, let's bear witness that greed, lies, and shady dealings don't represent Georgia. Let's send Raphael
9: Warnock to the U.S. Senate to fight for the least of these and not Wall Street billionaires.
12: You are leading the way for the rest of this state. And we believe that this state is on the verge of shocking the entire country.
10: Keep your on the prize and hold on, hold on. What y'all know about that damn office? And ultimately, we know we can't let nobody turn us around.
11: If it turns out that the Senate is hinging on one seat and there's only one race left, yeah. turn That's right. This will literally be the epicenter of the, of the entire country, right? So we, we ready.
10: Music has an ability to be able to help us feel connected. And that's because music has a way of speaking for the spirit. And it is the spirit we're gonna change this country with. It is going to be standing in a space of our power and in the fullness of our spirit of love and the spirit of humanity. That is what's gonna transform America.
4: In an open letter published on Saturday, dozens of black church leaders from Georgia ordered uh, or demanded the Cindy Kelly Loeffler to cease and desist her false characterizations of Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock. The, black, the various pastors, the ministerial alliance, believe Loeffler's claims that Warnock is radical and a socialist are baseless in a broader attack against the black church and Warnock's faith. Loeffler called Warnock a radical liberal 13 times during their, their debate on December 6th. Has criticized a pastor in ads for his association with Reverend Dr. Jeremiah Wright. Now Leftler responded to the letter and Warnock on Twitter by saying, "Quote: No one attacked the Black Church. We simply exposed your record in your own words." Joining us right now is Reverend Daryl Winston of Daryl Winston Ministries and Bishop Carl McRae of Ex Ex um, uh, I'm sorry Exusia uh, Lighthouse International Christian Ministries. Is that correct? Get, I think I yes. pronounced it right. That is correct. All right, then. First of all, let me start with you, um, Reverend Winston. Uh, this letter, uh, very strong language, highly critical of Kelly Leffler. Also by saying, uh, ripping her for her comments about Black Lives Matter, saying she's been quiet about the Proud Boys.
13: Absolutely. Absolutely. This, the, the sheer hypocrisy, uh, taking a page from uh, Trumpism, where they think that they could say anything to to spew this... Uh, lies and deceit and thinking that we should just take it lying down. And we're saying to her in no uncertain turn, uh, as my as my grandmother and, and they the elders used to say uh, growing up, you're a lie and the truth is not in you.
4: Uh, the thing that we're seeing, Bishop McRae, again, uh, Republicans love to talk about faith. They appeal to White conservative evangelicals, they said that uh, folks should not question the faith of Amy Coney Barrett when she was nominated to the Supreme Court, Uh, yet they have no problem questioning the faith of Pastor Pastor Raphael Warnock.
9: That is exactly what they said, uh, Brother Roland. um, The cognitive uh, dissonance uh, in that lot, and I do want to say all of them, is uh, amazing to me that they can stand in judgment of uh of, and parse every word uttered uh by this pastor even 15-20 years ago uh and 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 then to uh in her own voice call what uh, uh if anyone were to question the the, the 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 spiritual bona fides of uh Amy Coney Barrett uh she called it disgusting and that yet she turns around and robotically, repeatedly uh, c- uh, attacks uh, Reverend Warnock, and expect us to let that go unanswered. I, I don't know what planet she's existed in, but the time has come where we will push back at full throated at the, the 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 lies that they hurl, and expect them to somehow manifest as true. We know we know scripture. We know our relationship with God. We know the prophetic tradition of Jesus Christ. And we understand that we, they have co opted Christianity, but we've taken it back. We've taken it back.
4: The thing uh, that, that's also interesting here, uh, Reverend Winston, uh, the, thing, the thing that's very interesting here when we look at uh, what is going on uh, in this race, when, when, when the fact that Kelly Leffler. of her first appearances after she replaced johnny isaacson was going to Ebenezer baptist church for Uh, mlk day celebration so and it's like so you thought it was it was so radical yet you
13: showed up and she i was there she was glad to be in the number or she acted as if she was just glad to be in the mix and in fact uh she spoke, and she was very gracious, and she even remarked that uh, she looked forward to coming back again. And so we know then that they are taking this bread-and-butter play from the late Lee Atwater, who, who got his from uh, Nixon, the whole Nixonian playbook, uh, to stroke the fear in their voting block, this fear-mongering, sheer racism. But I, we detest the mockery. And to make mockery, we know that they, the uh, uh, Euro-American churches and white evangelicals have long uh, expressed their disdain for the African-American congregations and despising prophetic uh, preaching. I told them this morning, we forget that when Dr. King spoke out against the Vietnam War at Riverside in 1967, he was persona non grata. And then now all of them claim to love Dr. King and seek to hijack his message. They talk about the 63 Dr. King, but they don't want to deal with that 67 and 68 Dr. King that call for the redistribution of wealth. And so we're saying, because you got people in our community who are ahistorical, they don't have a sense of historical continuity. They don't see anything wrong. And so we're so grateful that these over 100 interfaith clergy uh, decided to join us, and more are saying, add me to the list. And in the next few days leading up to the election, we, are, we have a multi-tier approach where we're going to be pushing back because we know then that they, meaning the powers that be, and those who bow at the shrine of Trumpism, will say anything or t- try to get away with saying anything and think that we're supposed to accept it.
4: Well, one of the things that also jumps out at me uh, on this is that she's attacked him, saying he's anti-Israel. Yet there have been a number of uh, uh, Jewish leaders who come out in support of Ravio Warnock. You've got John Ossoff, who is Jewish, who's running with him. Uh, so you would think if somebody was so anti-Jewish, they would not be supporting him. But again, what people need to understand, when white conservatives talk uh, say he's anti-Jewish, they really are appealing to those white conservative evangelicals uh, who hold this very lofty view, this biblical view of Israel.
13: They, they equate and Zionism with Judaism, and many rabbis here in Atlanta and abroad uh, are working now on a piece where they are addressing the Jewish community, long history with the African American church. One of my favorite uh, rabbi, Joshua Heschel, who Dr. King marched with and other rabbis were right there in the midst. So Ebenezer and Warnock has maintained a long uh, history of working in the Jewish community. The, commi- the services are often uh, interfaith in terms of the commemorative services that the King Center runs there. But there are many different for instances of uh, Warnocks and the good people of Ebenezer interface and interacting with the Jewish community. And as you know, as of late, there has been this whole push toward silencing and muzzling prophetic preaching uh, that, of course, is concerned not just with redemption from personal sins, but addressing, as Jesus did, those oppressive conditions caused by man. So we ought to be able to say all Palestinian lives matter. As preachers of the gospel. Uh, Cuban lives matter, and lives in the Congo matters. For them to uh, seek to check the preacher is an attempt to do what they hadn't been done, hadn't, wasn't able to do in times past, but they think that they can now uh, push us into a corner where we just sit down and preach an otherworldly by and by when we die message, so that we can become enablers of systemic evil that they perpetuate on a daily basis.
4: Well, I certainly hope that folks uh, in Georgia are going to respond uh, in kind. Uh, to what is uh, happening by turning out at the polls. The best way to shut them up is to beat them. Simple as that. Gentlemen, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much.
13: Well, thank you, Roland, for having us. Love your show. And we appreciate you opening up your platform for us to share.
4: I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. All right, folks, here in the United States, more than seventeen point nine million people have contracted COVID, and more than 318,000 Americans have died from the virus. Many people who are skeptical when it comes to getting the vaccine, however, uh, pr- first many people are skeptical of getting it. But the head, uh, the head of Doctors COVID nineteen Consortium, decided to take the vaccination. Uh, many people are skeptical about whether the COVID vaccine is safe to take. President-elect Joe Biden today received his first dose of the Pfizer and BioNTech COVID vaccine live on television. Did he get to pick his bandage? Oh,
10: that's
15: <laughs> <laughs> ready? I'm ready. Okay. Go. 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 Up higher. All right. Would you like me to come to three? No, no, you just go ahead anytime you're ready. It's worth saying that uh, this is is great hope. I'm doing this to demonstrate that people should be prepared when it's available to take the vaccine. There's nothing to worry about. I'm looking forward to the second shot. So is Jill. She's had her shot earlier today. She loves shots. I know (laughs) in the meantime, I know I don't want to sound like a sour note here, but uh, I hope people listen to all the experts and the doctor Fauci's on talking about the need to wear masks during this Christmas and New Year's holidays, wear masks, socially distance, and, uh, and if you don't have to travel, don't travel. Don't travel. It's really important because we're still in the thick of this. It's one thing to have the vaccine show up at a hospital. There's another thing to get the vaccine from that vial into a needle, into an arm, and uh, there's uh, millions of people out there that are going to need this.
4: Well, Mustafa, we saw there where uh, President-elect Joe Biden uh, taking the shot. Uh, look, you ain't going to see Donald Trump sitting his ass down taking the Mr. shot, Mr. Uh, Mr. even though he actually contracted coronavirus, uh, because he doesn't care about actually leading by example. What he chooses to do is to be stuck on stupid. You've had these White House Christmas parties packed with people, and guess what? There have been people coming home testing positive for COVID-19. you got to be dumb as hell to go to the White House for anything with COVID, with that that, that place being a, a major uh, spreader of COVID-19.
7: Well, we should just call out the fact that the White House is a petri dish. If you go in there, you know you're probably going to end up getting something that is not going to be helpful to your body. I really appreciate Uh, President-elect Biden for his leadership, you know, not just sharing words with folks, but actually putting that together with the actions, you know, sitting down, having a mask on, getting the vaccine, and then continuing the conversation with the country that it doesn't stop there, that we still have actions that we can do to help us to deal with the pandemic that we find ourselves in by not traveling, by doing the social distancing and the other things that CDC and others have shared with us will help us to win on the pandemic.
4: Uh, Julian, it's, it's not that actually hard to lead, but you kind of got to want to. And what we have here is a petulant child uh, who is so angry and upset that he lost, uh, that he just simply can't help himself just whine and complain. And that's what we're seeing from Donald Trump. And frankly, according to White House aides, with various reports, he, he's just said, What the hell? Uh, he doesn't care about coronavirus, doesn't care about the response. Uh, he's just mad and ticked off and is sitting here just on Twitter because he lost. That's what, he, I mean, he's literally acting like a spoiled brat.
8: Actually, Roland, you are giving spoiled brats a bad name. This man is a 70-some-year-old, overweight, child who you if you could just picture him laying on his back with his feet kicking because angry that he lost. But that's not the point here when we have 315,000 Americans who have per- died, perished because of coronavirus. When he continues to have rallies, to have parties, or to have his people have parties to do all of that, it's an absurdity that we cannot fathom, because really what he essentially seems to be trying to do is to basically salt the earth so that when uh, President-elect Biden comes in, he has an even greater uh, um, burden to deal with. Even more than that, uh, we know that there are so many irregularities. How you going go to the Supreme Court at the last minute, and ask them to turn the election over when they already said they weren't going to do it? Here's why. So you can raise money. So we've got this guy who is acting like the last of the living boneheads, and that's the nicest word I can use on the air, last of the living boneheads, uh, basically undermining our democracy. We have, this is a pandemic, that is killing people and many of us have had to moderate our behavior my mama is 92 years old she's had a stroke i want to go home more than i want to do anything else Roland, but i can't first of all my sisters told me to keep your black you know what in washington uh because i'm over 65 and i'm diabetic but secondly all of us have had to make these kind of adjustments in our lives and meanwhile this man is sitting there acting like a you know what? It's absurd, it's ridiculous, but the worst part of this is that his Republican colleagues will not call him on it. A few of them have, but not many have, and so America is taking the hit, all of us are taking the hit, and he is not responsible, nor are his colleagues.
4: And the thing, Abus, that that, that is just, that that continues to be just
7: stunning,
4: Uh, is that you know, these MAGA, I call them maggots, uh, these, these MAGA idiots um, are, are, are so deranged that they are just beside themselves when it comes to wearing masks. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it's like, how dare you? I mean, it, when you <laughs> see them just fall, in, in fact, uh, watch this here. This is some video on my iPad. This is a video on my iPad. Okay, that y'all, this fool laid down. This fool laid down in the middle of the store on the floor. He laid down. I, I'm just I mean, we're gonna try to uh, get the video straight for you in just a second. Uh, we're having a slight technical issue here, but he is so mad and upset. He is so mad and upset he was asked to wear a mask, he lays out on the middle of the floor. That's a grown-ass man, Avis.
6: You know, it is cult-like behavior. Uh, <laughs> I think you really should uh, examine this. You, you have cult-like behavior. Individuals uh, have been brainwashed uh, by the propagandist-in-chief. And they have been brainwashed to the degree that they will believe anything that he says, even if it puts them in mortal danger, even if it puts their family in mortal danger. This is literally the equivalent of drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, in real time. Uh, they They are willing to risk their lives, their family's lives. And by the way, our lives, when we have to interact in public with them, uh, because they are so blindly loyal to a pathological, lying, uh, narcissistic psychopath. It is absolutely crazy. And, you know, if, if there was, you know, at, at what point, I mean, at this point, I guess we're almost done with it. But I, I have to tell you, I, I'm beginning to wonder why we even have the 25th Amendment. Because this man is a clear and present danger to the citizens right. of the United States. You can look at it from the standpoint of COVID. You can look at it from the standpoint of, uh, you know, having Russian boundaries on the heads of soldiers and doing nothing about it, all the way up to having Russians uh, infiltrate all of our major federal agencies and having nothing to say about that either. He's clearly a plant uh, and he's clearly someone who is spreading lethal misinformation to literally millions of people.
4: I've got to show you one more video, one more video. I'm going to play the audio on this one as well. Um, And again, the sheer stupidity of these people. Wearing a mask is not hard. It's not. But for these people, you swear it's the end of the world. Watch this and listen.
10: Step away! Out. Back the fuck up from me! Right. Why are you so to me? You can't remove. Why are you supposed to Leave the store now! Why? What are you gonna do? Gonna Why? What? This is all for you people! Out! What? no longer on here. What? You do not belong in this. What do you mean? Why? Step away from me. Step away from me. It's a regulation. This is a public establishment. I am a customer. You're privately owned? Really? So, okay? Suck a fucking dick. Suck a fucking dick. Merry Christmas, man. I'm out. Merry fucking Christmas, everybody. This is a public...
4: Establishment, I have a fucking right to be here. We do. Yes, I do. I don't. I mean, I, look. I, I say, just drag their asses out the store. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I, I say, get get like a ten foot pole and just poke their ass. And ju- <laughs> I, get out, get out. Just just poke their ass and put some hot, you know, put put, a, put some hot like I figure uh, uh put that sucker in a fire and brand their ass I'm gonna it. W- I mean this is just dumb and oh it's freedom it's a public place 318,000 people are dead and these people you're just you're just infringing on my liberties I'm an American and it's led Mustafa by the person sitting in the oval office Because he refuses to wear a mask, he refuses to abide by any rules, and they are emboldened by his stupidity. And so I'm of the opinion, hey, if y'all want to follow his dumb ass and y'all get COVID and die, go right ahead.
7: Yeah, that would be all right if if we couldn't actually get COVID. But as, as Ava said, shared, you know, there is an interconnectedness by the actions that people did. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that when you had the gentleman laying on the floor and then you had the other person, you know, using that language and actually trespassing after he was asked to leave, that folks, you know, weren't getting arrested. I've seen folks lay down to stop trucks from coming into their community because they're afraid of getting poisoned. And, and I've seen young black and brown children be in a department store and because, you know, they may have had a moment you know, people talking about, well, they needed to be, you know, arrested, but yet these folks are not being arrested. So we need to actually call that out. And then we need to also just remind folks that we had the opportunity to impeach Trump, and folks decided not to move forward on that and make that become a reality. And if so, look how different this COVID-19 moment would have been, hopefully, that he would have not been in leadership and so many lives would not have been lost.
4: Well, that is certainly the case. All right, folks. Uh, Got to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Trump supporters targeting a black family in Texas. Also, Morris Day joins us right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered filter to talk music yeah. and his book, All of That Next, broadcasting live from Atlanta, where we are covering the Georgia Senate runoff here in the Peach State. Back in a moment.
12: trying so hard to stop you from voting. There is some value there. But even when you talk about that people are not paying attention to your issues, I can't pay attention to your issues if I don't even know you there. And the only reason people are going to know you're is when you show up to the polls and vote. That's when that power manifests itself. But as long as you stay at home, as long as you're making excuses, then guess what? You will always experience these issues that we're experiencing today. And another thing, Don't get caught up in the candidates, right? There's there's, there's no such thing as a perfect candidate, but you should be going to vote for the most important person, and that is you and the one you love. You talk about you'll fight for the one you love. You're willing to die for the one you love. You need to ask yourself, are you willing to vote for the one you love? Because if you don't, there's gonna be somebody's neck on yours pretty soon.
1: There are a lot of folks out here who don't want you to vote. And they're doing everything to keep you from voting because they don't want you to have power. They don't want you to have the money. They don't want you to have the resources to have a decent quality of life. And those are some of the people who are living in the best styles with the most money in this country. So if you don't want to have them continue to tell you what you can have, you better get out here and vote.
10: you're not just voting for you, no, you're voting for me, too. Georgia, I got you on my mind. You have got a chance today to keep the U in USA. Oh, Georgia, say, can you see you could save me? hands and wearing masks, but you could save the planet's ass. Oh, Georgia, we're all waiting to see if you've left the Confederacy. Well, welcome to the 21st century. Now you're voting for me, too. You could sit around and mope and say, "Yo, oh, what's the difference? Just get out and vote Just two senators in blue Georgia, you know what to do Georgia, you're not just voting for you No, you're voting for me too Georgia.
4: In Dallas, the black family believes they were the target of a hate crime after putting up a Black Lives Matter sign in front of their home. Jayla Gip, uh, Gip Gibson and Charles Crawford say they woke up to one of the cars engulfed in flames and the message Trump 20 spray-painted on their garage. Their BLM sign was also vandalized. The Little Elm Police Department and federal authorities are investigating to see whether this was indeed a hate crime. All right, folks, one of America's greatest racists will no longer be honored in the U.S. Capitol. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam announced that Virginia's statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee was removed overnight from the United States Capitol. The Confederate statue will be moved to the Virginia Museum of History and Culture in Richmond and will be replaced with a statue of civil rights icon Barbara Rose Johns. Johns is a historical figure who fought school segregation in 1951 when she was only 16 years old. She led a walkout protesting inferior conditions at Robert Russa Motion High School, which was an all-black school in Farmville, Virginia. This is the video. This is the, folks, let me know if y'all have the video. Uh, The video that was uh, shot... Uh, Tim Kaine, let me pull the audio up, please. So what you're seeing, folks, those are workers removing. Of course, uh, this was, has long been a point of contention uh, that in the U.S. Capitol, there's Statuary Hall. Uh, and in Statuary Hall, uh, Avis, uh, each state gets to have two statues. And folks have long been critical of states that have honored Confederate heroes uh, in Florida. They replaced one of those statues with Mary McLeod Bethune. Uh, Other states, Tennessee, Mississippi. uh, So there are different states there. And the states get to choose what statue represents them. And so uh, for a lot of um, African-Americans, you're Mississippi. You don't want to go to the state capitol and one of your two states, one of your two uh, statuary Statues is uh, the traitor Jeff Davis uh, in Virginia. They had Robert E. Lee, who wasn't even from Virginia. Uh, and so, um, this to me, this, this change when Democrats took control of the state legislature, that again shows the power of voting when you put the folks you want in office who can make these sort of changes. And I know somebody will say, oh, this is just all cosmetic, but the reality is we should not be honoring people in this country. Who wanted to ensure the people who looked like us would remain in slavery?
6: Absolutely, and I, you know, I would have to say, you know, symbols matter. If symbols didn't matter, there would not be a proliferation of Confederate monuments all across the country. They were erected for a reason uh, to, to uh, you know, perpetuate a false sort of retelling of history. That, I, that lionized these people who were actually traitors and uh, racist people who wanted to keep people like you and me in bondage for all of our lives. Uh, so it's very important that even today with all the various uh, challenges that we continue to face, that we also go back and right the wrong uh, of exalting these individuals who are enemies, uh, not only to this nation, but enemies to this people. And I, and I would just have to quickly say in terms of Governor Northrum, you know, he got into some hot water a few months back with regards to pictures that emerged uh, of him and uh, his youth. But I have to say, since then, he has definitely been moving forward in a direction uh, that I have been, you know, pleasantly surprised with. And this is just one uh, another example of work that I'm I'm happy that was done. Because it's no reason why we should have a Robert E. Lee in the nation's ca- in the Capitol building in any way, shape, or form uh, connected to the state of Virginia or this nation as a whole.
4: When we talk about looking back on history and acknowledging uh, a racist past, that's what the Kansas City Star did. They are apologizing for decades of racist, racist coverage of African Americans in Kansas City, Missouri. Mike Fannin, who has been the Kansas City Star's editor since 2008, wrote in a letter to readers, the newspaper, quote, disenfranchised, ignored, and scorned generations of black Kansas Kansas Cityans. It reinforced Jim Crow laws and redlining. Reporters took a look through the newspaper's archives and found the paper usually painted black people as perpetrators and rarely covered issues that black people faced. For instance, the paper covered military actions overseas, but not the bombings of black families that took place not far from the paper's location. Fanley said the death of George Floyd earlier this year and the protests that took place around the world made the paper examine its history and how it covers issues plaguing the black community. That, Julian, is important because it forces institutions to reckon with their past and then for them to say, how does our past still impact our present and future When you look at the lack of African-Americans in these newsrooms, many black folks, the sole journalists in a lot of these places. And so uh, that was a great thing the Kansas City's uh, uh, newspaper did over the weekend.
8: It was a wonderful thing for them to do, but they have to do a lot more. They have to go back and not only give the macro, but also the micro. In other words, to take Tulsa, Oklahoma as an opportunity to look at this, We know that the newspapers buried the story about the burning of Black Wall Street. They made it sound like Black people had done something. When, in fact, we know more than 300 people died. We know that white folks went and ravaged the Black community. I mean, it was called the Tulsa Up, you know, whatever they called it, it was inaccurate. We can go back through many, many, many. So I'm gonna give Casey props for raising it. But what I would really like to see for them also to do is to go back and look at some of these stories and just really give us the details on them. When we look at a Robert E. Lee as an example and taking that statue down, a lot of people are gonna say it's symbolism. It's not just symbolism. This man graduated from West Point, which was a U.S.-funded military academy. He then turned tail on his country because he cared more about Southern white people than about our nation. nation wasn't perfect, let's be clear, but he chose, he chose to tan- turn tail on our country. So, the, many, uh, this is a time of reckoning in so many ways, and it's an important time of reckoning. Uh, we want to give people credit who are doing the right thing, but we also want them to understand that one step is not the long step. So someone at the KC paper has to really go back into those archives and talk more about this. Someone in Tulsa has to talk about what those newspapers did. And it's not just the south. I mean, I've been, you know, I've been working on this book forever, but we look at California, my home state, which had laws on their books against quote Miscegenation, liberal California, we need to look at some of that. Uh, There's just so much work to do, but we have to do it. If we don't do it, we'll never have peace.
4: The reason I think this is critically important, Mustafa, uh, is because um, the media played such a huge role in the advancement of white supremacy in this country. The media played a huge role in the denigration of black people. It played a huge role in how we were portrayed, how we were ignored. And frankly, part of the problem today is that present day media outlets want to live in complete ignorance of that. I'm vice president of the National Association of Black Journalists. And we went after CNN for no black executive producers, no black vice presidents, no black senior vice presidents. No black executive vice presidents. No black direct reports. That was a reason. Because it made no sense how we could be in 2019 and there literally be no black people in leadership positions. And so I think media has gotten off uh, too lightly over the years. I think media uh, all too often um, has um, skirted its responsibility and acted as if. Oh, how we can, and this this is my challenge, and we've had meetings with Verizon Media, with Disney, uh, with Penske Media, um, with with a number of people, CBS, NBC, and what we've said is, how can media challenge other folk on race and hiring and their culture when they don't want to look at themselves? And the Kansas City Star, with this report, looked at themselves, now, what I would hope is they now go inward and say, "Let's examine the culture of our newsrooms and how African Americans stand." Uh, we don't have Mustafa, so let's go to Avis. Avis, pick up on that qu- that point.
6: Yeah, it is absolutely essential uh, that organizations have Black people in positions of power, positions of decision-making, that we are part of not only those who report the news, we are part of those who decide what news to report. Um, And it's absolutely critical that that is true in every way, shape, or form, whether that's television, whether that's newspapers, uh, every type of media platform that exists, there needs to be Black decision-makers. That said, uh, it's also the, the fact that there isn't, to, to any significant degree, uh, once again shows how important true Black-owned media is. Uh, because we have to understand that when you sit down and at home and you're, you turn on the television and you watch a certain show or you pick up a newspaper or go to the newspaper's website these days and read that story, you have to think, who made the decision about who was, what was going to be covered and what wasn't going to be covered? Who made the decisions about who was going to be booked and who wasn't going to be booked? Who made the decision about what sort of opinion pieces were going to be given the green light and what sort of um, opinion pieces were going to be kicked to the curb or what stories were going to be pursued and what stories were going to be ignored? You know, that colors, no pun intended, the information that you receive on a daily basis. And, Because those types of organizations tend to not have people that look like you and me in those decision-making positions, what we get are a very tilted and very specific view of reality. And so having Black-owned media that shows our interests that centers our needs, that puts on uh, you know, experts that are versed in how issues impact our lives, it's critically important. It's not really happening to a great de- degree in normalcy and in quote-unquote mainstream media and some of these other places. And so we have to be uh, able to do that ourselves. And luckily, we are in the position, particularly, for example, with a show like this, in which we can
4: Well, that's precisely why we have it, because we are not about uh, allowing somebody else to tell our story. Speaking of telling our story, this is an unbelievable story out of Well, first of all. For us, it's not unbelievable. That's also why we have these cameras to listen and see and hear what folk are talking about. Of course, this year, we saw protests erupt nationwide after the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and others. Yet in Boston... Something peculiar happened in Boston. Check out this video of a police officer. You can hear him bragging about running over protesters.
11: I okay.
0: They were all fucking fucking around. So I I overcommit like so I got
14: to fucking Tremont Park and I was in the middle of fucking. So then I had a fucking keep coming. Fucking running am fucking hitting people with the car. Did you hear me? I was like, get the fuck!
0: This thing is on. This thing is. Oh no 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 I know. What I'm saying is, though, they were in front of, like, a, just, like, I didn't hit anybody like, just driving. It's, oh, shit. The, my windows were closed. The shit was coming in the fucking way. Where it was personal. You know, it's like, you gotta be kidding me. Fucking crazy, dude.
10: This, this thing just fucking went on automatically. Huh? This thing just went on fucking automatically. There you go. This is
0: your offer. <laughs> Nice. They're around close. Is it a
15: $50 tie? that way,
4: Mustafa, if you're a cop and you're bragging about running over protesters, imagine how it feels when you're patrolling black neighborhoods.
7: Yeah, people are tell, telling you just how they really feel about folks. You know, we need to remember in Charlottesville, when that young man used his uh, automobile and killed someone, and how easy is it in all that chaos for somebody to slip underneath of the wheel of a car, of a police car, of a cruiser and someone to lose their life. If you or I do it, vehicular manslaughter is 10 years in jail. Second degree vehicular manslaughter is 75 months, $250,000 fine. It's a real easy way to make sure that that doesn't happen. One, train your officers. And two, if they can't live up to it, they don't need to be police officers.
8: Ronald, I
4: um, uh, am just. Go ahead, go ahead.
8: I went to undergraduate and graduate school in Boston. I was there from 1970 to 1977. Uh, The Boston kind of racism is a special kind of racism. The police have been trained, essentially, to abuse Black people. I mean, they... I, I will never forget Louise Day Hicks, who was on the school board when they were trying to integrate schools. And this big old fat white woman said they would have to run over her dead body before Black children were able to go to white schools in South Boston. This is Boston. So this is Boston. I'm not saying that Boston is special around its racism, but what I'm saying is when I watched the tape, I just recalled so many things. And the bottom line here is that they do not value Black people. This is why the slogan, that Black Lives Matter, is so important because it has not been that important in places like Boston and others. Right. A black man named Ed Lansdowne had a flag. He was impaled by a flag in front of City Hall because he was protesting. So white folks just took a flag and impaled him. By, and it, it was okay. Nobody was ever arrested. And this happens time and time again. So I just, you know, we have been, as black people, extraordinarily tolerant extraordinarily understanding. And it's time for us to get about a 10,000 Ben Crumps to soothe you-know-what out of these people.
4: Totally understand. Totally understand. Got to go to a break, folks. When we come back, we'll talk with Mars Day. Music, books. That's next A Roller Martin Unfiltered.
0: This generation, which gets so much inspiration from entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, this generation is influenced. I mean, it, every generation has their influence. Yep. But I would argue, by and large, when you talk about Harry Belafonte, or you talk about, you know, how it was, you know, in the '60s, '70s, and even '80s, there was, you know, you had the entertainers, you you had the church, you had the activists. In our day and time, you know, the church is somewhat losing its its, its, its influence. Entertainment influence is growing. The activists are losing their influence. So where do most, you know, this younger generation go? They go to entertainment. You know, and so the influencers, entertainment can actually move the needle. And when you see people become active, I love how this younger group of people are saying, wait a minute, we don't like what just happened with Kavanaugh. We're going to do something about it. We don't like the fact that there's no gun control. We're going to do something about it. And I do think that as tragic as these events are, they are becoming more gallant to get this younger group of voters which is so influential to get out and do what we know they can do Which is to help move the needle in a, in a massive way uh,
3: America is a complicated story of people building a more, perf- more perfect union and if you don't think there's been any change you should sit down with Andrew Young Uh, You should sit down from some of the folks in that generation who know the distance we've come. And um, uh, as we continue to push hard, change comes. The other side knows your power. The other side knows your voice. That's why they're engaged in voter suppression. If you weren't so powerful, they wouldn't be trying so hard to stop you from voting. So you ought to stand up in this defining moment in American history and win the future for all of our children.
1: We're at Mom's Kitchen in Preston, Georgia. It's a family business. I enjoy making people happy, giving them a good meal. But since COVID, we had to close our main dining room. We lost all of that business. And we used to do a lot of caterings. We can't do any of that anymore. David Perdue knew what was about to happen. He was getting classified briefings about the pandemic. But instead of him being concerned about us, he off selling stock. We had no idea we'd have to close our businesses off. We'd lose caterings and so many people died. And then when we needed help the most, he fought against the stimulus checks and to cut unemployment insurance. Purdue needs to come out and Ossoff in. Early voting starts December 14th. You gotta make a plan to vote.
7: I'm John Ossoff and I approve this message.
1: We
5: have always used music to speak up for us but we have been unheard underestimated and undervalued throughout our existence but it's time we play a new song we can make the rules we can choose the leader and our vote can make the difference do we know by now that change will not come to us how do it black voters matter it's our party step into your moment.
4: All right, folks, uh, I was flying to Atlanta this morning, early flight, 7 a.m., and so I needed a little pick-me-up music, uh, and so I had to put on a whole bunch of different songs, and one of the songs, of course, Jungle Love uh, by Moores Day and the Time. Of course, uh, Moores Day is known for his relationship uh, with Prince, with the band. He's got a new Christmas single out called Cooler Than Santa Claus, and he joins us right now. Morris Day, what's happening? What's going on,
14: Roland? How you doing? So you cooler than Santa Claus? Hey, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to answer this
4: here, man. It, it, ha- it has to be. It, it, it has to be um, a trip uh, for folk who still uh, just respond to you and Jerome and the time. Every time I see Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis. Uh, I mean, look, there have been lots of bands, but, man, y'all kept it
14: funky. We kept it funky, and, um, you know, we had an all-star band. I mean, just think about it. You know, like you said, Terry and Jimmy. I mean, you know, we were all just uh, teenagers uh, loving our music. Uh, Terry and Jimmy, Jesse Johnson you know, Jerome, we, we, you know, we just had an all-star band and we just kind of, you know, lucked up on it. I don't know if you want to call it luck or God's plan, but you know, we, we had one of the greatest bands in history, in my opinion.
4: Well, and I, and I think that's, that, that is the case. And I think a lot of times, and again, as, as somebody who loves music, as somebody who, uh, cause in fact, J- Jimmy and I, are always talking about this here, he's always sending me, sending me cuz He's like, man, I know how you love music. I mean, Y'all played instruments. This ain't, This wasn't a bunch of dudes on stage with five, six mics, and that was other thing. That there's just something different about when that band is jamming uh, and, and keeping it funky.
14: Well, not only that, Roland. You know, we played instruments, but we had songwriters, producers. You know, some of the elite in the industry. You know, from Prince on on down, and. Um, You know, that just
4: takes the whole thing to another level. Uh, Let's talk about that. Um, uh, I I play the George Lopez golf tournament. uh, (laughs) And uh, Jimmy Jam is often playing in the golf tournament. uh, And so we're always having a little fun. I got to find a video. Uh, There's a video of us uh, all on one of the tee boxes doing the bird. Uh, It's pretty hilarious. Uh, and we're always out there doing it. And he was telling us this story about uh, how y'all, uh, with, with your band and Prince, how you drove each other. And he was saying, he said, man, he said, that was, he said, that were times, he said, when we were just whooping Prince's ass. Uh, and he said, where, y- where y'all had an attitude to we going to walk out. That, that was sort of like old school. When, I talk, when you talk back to the Cats with the OJs and the Four Tops, how their whole deal was, when they, they say, okay, fine, we're going to open. We're going to set this sucker on fire that all you're going to have are burnt embers when you walk out there. Um, yeah. was, that, was that rivalry? Was that about we're going to show you our best and you're going to have to bring it if you want to sit here uh, and own this
14: audience? You know, you know, it really didn't start out like that. But it, I guess what happened is we just got that damn good, you know. And um, so we, you know, we started out, we hadn't done it before, you know, we hadn't played in front of a a, a large audience before, but we were tight. And that's one thing that Prince kind of, if, if, it turned into a rivalry of sorts, but he created it because he gave us a work ethic. He had us re- rehearse so much, day in and day out, that we were so tight that if if, we, if I went left, if I forgot a lyric, and I did something, the band went with me, and we just became such a tight band that um, you know after a while, you know he let us know that it was a rivalry because he started to exclude us in major markets. So if we did a L.A., if he did a L.A., or New York, or Chicago. He wouldn't let the time on anymore, and we we got onto it. We're like, okay, that's because we kicking that ass, you know. But you know, it wasn't our intention originally. We just got that good, you know.
4: Well, you would you you would think that you would think that uh, he would have understood that because he, he he drove y'all there. It's it's sort of like look for me. If, if If I've trained somebody, if I've invested in somebody uh I want you to reach that point of maximizing your output and, and, and I've always gotten a kick out of uh you talked about it, you talked about it uh, in other interviews and in your books as well uh that jealousy uh that envy uh that was there you you talked about how uh he would call you to Come to Minneapolis and play, and hell wouldn't pay, and and so just just talk about that relationship. Uh, was it one of those things where you were like, okay, what the hell? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it hot? Is it cold? Man, c- can you just decide?
14: Yeah, that's exactly kind of what it was. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, as much as I would have issue issue with stuff like that, you know. He was still my brother, you know, and I, I know he felt that way, but, you know, uh, he, he was a very complicated individual. We all are complicated in our own way, but he was extra complicated. <laughs> so, right. You know, I just kind of, you know, uh, wrote it off as that. Um, I never had his phone number uh, once we got to cell phones or and all of that, even landlines. I never had his number. So if I heard from him, he called me. And I might have uh, one of his security people's numbers or something like that. But, you know, I never really reached out to him. Uh, I just kind of knew that if he wanted to talk to me, he would reach out to me, which he did at obscure hours of the uh, morning and night, you know, and um, it was all good, you know?
4: Uh, you, you, you gave an interview uh, that, I, that I found to be quite fascinating where um, at the end of his life, He said something to you when he said, he said that he loved you. Yeah. And it caused you to go, uh, this is different. Yeah. And I've talked to other people and they've talked about how in those final few months, they literally saw this transformation that they, that something was happening. And then of course, when they began to reflect on it after he passed, they saw that, um, that that he that he knew what was coming he felt it and he knew what, that uh his time was uh was near
14: yeah i think um i think he knew um because as you said he had you know asked us to do shows we show up i fly my band in um on my own expense and um then he changes mind and you know really and not even really have a second thought about it and so um I had sort of got to the point where I said, look, if uh if Prince wants us to do a show, then he has to send us the money hundred percent up front. I'm not uh, you know, um going in like that anymore where I just am at, at I'm at his disposal whether he you know, and out of my pocket. So anyway, um this this um last show two months prior to him passing I said, yeah, yeah, he wanted us to do a show at Paisley Park. I said, of course, you know, uh, but, you know, you got to, you know, not me telling him, but his people, you got to send the money up front. And um, he did, to my surprise. And uh, so when I got there, he was really happy to see me, and and likewise, I was happy to see him, and um, we chopped it up. Uh, We did the show, and, you know, after the show, um, you know, he wanted to talk, so we went into the cafeteria area of uh, Paisley Park, and and um, in, in, uh, we talked for an hour and some, you know, and plus, and um, in leaving, you know, he uh, gave me a hug. He said, "I love you." And I'm like, um, you know, I've been knowing this man for since we were kids, and that is a phrase that he has never, ever uh, spoken to me. So I just, I just, you know, it was, it was, it caught me off guard. And then, you know, once I got back home, I was just thinking, I was like, what was that, you know? And um, sure enough, two months later, you know, I was uh, flying to Florida from uh, Las Vegas and um, I had a layover in Chicago and I heard that someone had passed away at at Paisley Park and um, they said that it was an employee And a buddy of mine called me, said, did you hear the news? I said, yeah, somebody, you know, worked there. And he said, no, no. He said it was Prince. And uh, my buddy's family is in the media, so they had firsthand information. And um, it didn't didn't hit me right away. But like midnight that night, you know, once I got to Florida, it hit me like a ton of bricks. The history, because I've really not had people that close to me pass away. And that really uh, hit me hard.
4: It was interesting you say that because uh, I saw something the other day on Twitter uh, and people were talking about how his passing affected them more than any other. And the reality is, I mean, look, I'm, as a journalist, um, you know, I, I, I was in Jamaica when Michael Jackson died. I remember being in Houston when Whitney Houston died. Uh, and I remember, but, but, but I, when I think about a lot of his passing actually has had more of an impact on me than the other celebrity deaths. And it, it is, and, it, it, and, and, and we were talking about that and people, uh, folks were asking why. I mean, I had the occasion to meet him uh, on a couple of occasions to go to a party at his home. Uh, then I found out, I was, I was interviewing Shelby J. And then she told me, she said, she says, oh, you know Prince had your book, your, your, your faith Facebook. And she said, because one day he brought it to me in the kitchen and said, you need to read this. Uh, Van Jones said, "He said, man, you were sworn you and Prince were buddies because he would often talk talk about your work. Um, and I always, of course, uh, uh, loved uh, loved the music and being somebody who played in elementary school, middle school, high school band. Always enjoyed music, um, but it was something different and unique uh, about him. And, and also to also all the other artists that that were born out of." Uh, of, uh, of of his uh, of, of his brilliance, uh, and, and when I think about you and think about uh, the time, and I think about the videos, and I think about again uh, the 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 infectious music, uh, all of that to me it operates like a like a bowl of gumbo. It's, it's all in there together. Because all of, all of y'all are going to be linked. Uh, Vanity Six is going to be linked. Uh, you're going to have uh, you know all these other different art, artists. Tevin Campbell is going to be linked. All of these 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 folks who were sort of uh, the 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 tentacles of Prince uh, will always be forever linked.
14: Very much so, and you know you you make a good point, but um, I like your gumbo theory. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> in, that theory, in that theory, brother, we were in the room. You dig? so. You know that's how I look at it. Right. I know there was a lot of spinoffs, but you know from day one. So um, I get it. Um, the worldly impact that the brother had, and it was amazing to me to watch because you know, um, I've been you know around him since he was a kid. So you know, um, the worldly impact, but. You know, my take on the whole thing was a little different. It was just um, you know, not not the um mega artist that he um ultimately became, but it was my friend. And the early days when we hung out and you know, um I would get high and he was uh you know pretty straight. And but you know, the time when he said, Hey, can you get me something to smoke and I just want to try it. And, you know, sit. I'm sitting on the floor of the club babysitting this dude, you know, and um, stuff like that, you know, and the fights that we had and, and all of that when we had when we were kids is the stuff that really um, passed through my mind, not, um, not the songs so much that I loved or anything like that. So I, I'm just saying that to say that it was quite different for me than, you know, a fan.
4: Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Do people still roll up on you to say, man, you killed it in Purple Rain? And
14: why, again, uh, why haven't you done other movies? Okay, so yeah, people, I mean, Purple Rain is one of those things uh, um, that kind of shows up on TV every month. A couple times a month and yes people still talk about purple rain to me but my thing and acting is i guess is something that i'm able to do but there's a side of me that i kind of like being my own boss in music i'm the boss in film and television right. there's our there's always somebody telling you what to do and you know what time to be there what time to get dressed, and hurry up and wait, do this, stand here, go, you know. And, you know, that's always been an issue for
4: me. Oh, great. Look, look. I know that point, which is why I created my own digital show, uh, because uh, I said, folks, when, when TV1 ended my show, folks were like, man, it'd be great if you go to MSNBC or CNN. I'm like, you know what, I'm not really trying to ask no 32-year-old white producer permission to go cover black people. I said ah, go. I'm good. I'm good. I said I kind of rather. Uh, I rather ask myself. I'd rather ask myself. So I do trust me. I understand. Understand. But I, I just thought, I mean, man, you were just absolutely crazy in that movie. And so I can imagine uh, you doing something else. I got questions from our panelists. I want to first start with Mustafa Santiago Ali. Mustafa, what's your question for Morris Day?
7: Yes. First of all, thanks. I mean, I watched you when I was growing up, so it's an honor to be here with you. I'm curious. You know, I come from a social justice background, and I'm curious the role that you feel creatives, uh, artists, have uh, in the social justice movement.
14: Now, say 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 that one more time. You, you hit me. <laughs> uh, the, the, the the role the role that
4: the role that you believe artists have in the social justice movement.
14: Well. You know, sometimes, you know, I think it's tough. I think a lot of artists are um, a little apprehensive of, of getting into the social justice situation because, you know, I think there's a fear of alienating um, certain audiences, if you will. But um, I do think that more and more um, the young artists are, are, are playing a role and, and making a difference and, and making their thoughts uh, be known.
4: Uh Julian, question for Morris Day.
8: Sure. You have talked about um both your collaboration and your competition uh with Prince. And I've very much enjoyed rolling this conversation and appreciate it. But Morris Day, what does it say to us as we move forward in this post whatever era about how we work together as black people?
14: Um well I think um You know, there's a lot on the table that we have to deal with, Um, and and I think there's there's a lot of small things uh, that slip through the cracks. It's 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 funny. I was um, I'm an iPhone user, and um, if you go to the emojis, um, you can change the color of the thumbs and uh, uh, a lot of little things. But I noticed. You can't change the color of the families. And check that out. You know, you go there and you cannot change the color of the families. The families are white. And usually if you tap it, you can go brown and go to yellow and all of that. But you can't. So I just feel like um, you know, we 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 have, you know, come a long way, but we have a long way to go and 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 there's a lot of little innuendos um that we have to to deal with. um, And, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's the job ahead of us. Avis
4: DeWeaver, your question for Mars Day.
6: Hi, it is such a pleasure to speak with you, Mr. Day. (laughs) I've definitely been a fan of of, uh, (laughs) Princess. I was in the fourth grade and I've loved the time from the very beginning, so it's my honor to speak with you this evening. You alluded to something that I think a lot of people overlook. People enjoy your music. They enjoy your contribution to the world in that way. But I think oftentimes people don't get the work that it takes to be as successful as you are in that industry. You just don't pop up one day and be as prolific a musician as you are. Uh, a minute ago, you talked about how you know you practice so much until you just, in essence, couldn't get it wrong. What can people who are not musicians learn from musicians about operating at excellence, giving the work ethic that it takes to perform at the level that you do?
14: Well, I think you pretty much explained it. It's, it's, it's whatever you do, um, you have to strive to be the best. If you strive to be mediocre, then that's what you'll do. If you don't really care about it, you know, I mean, how many times do you walk into a store um, and you have some a clerk who helps you or someone on the phone, a customer service, and they help you um, 100% do everything, ask all the right questions, and then how many times you walk into that same place a different day and somebody just acts like uh, they don't want to be there. I, I just feel like if you're going to fill a position in life, um, then I would say be the best at it. You know, I might not be the best artist, best singer, best dancer, but you can damn well believe I am the best Morris Day <laughs> that you're going to ever find. You know, so that's that's my advice.
4: All right then. Morris, uh, this song, Cooler Than Santa Claus, uh, what, what, uh, what inspired it? I mean, look, there's a lot of, was it was a matter of saying, look, there's a lot of Christmas songs out there but damn it, you want to be original as opposed to do
14: a remake? No, Roland, you inspired it. You know what? Um, I feel like this is a shout-out to the brothers, to the men, to the parents, to the fathers. You know, it's like everybody... I don't want to kill the myth of Santa Claus, but we all know that who Santa Claus is to our wives, to our kids. So I'm not saying... Santa doesn't exist, but I am saying that if you really check into it, you will see Santa ain't as cool as me. <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100% uh, because, I mean, I'm, I'm all with all the myth, but yeah, y'all already know who bought that that damn computer uh, and bought right. that damn Xbox. Just letting you know.
14: And Santa's getting all the damn credit. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> precisely now Uh-uh. Santa san, san don't pay no bills boys right, day, man it's always a pleasure uh, look forward to after this uh, COVID thing uh, I, I can't wait uh, to connect and definitely man uh, look forward uh, to coming to one of the shows uh, I, I'm one uh, this is a true story uh, I was at NBA All-Star game in 2011 uh, and Sean Robinson uh, I had gone to a Diddy party, it was crazy. We never got in, it was all this little drama outside. Uh, Sean Robinson hit me up and she says, yo, you want to come to a party at Prince's house? I was like, hell yeah. And it was so funny too, because my wife, she was like hot with the other party, she was hungry. She's like, look, I want to get some food, I'ma figure it out. I look at her like, oh hell no, nah. we going to this damn party at Prince's house. I don't give a damn how you feel. So get, right. hit, get, take this McDonald's, but put the GPS in. You can sit your ass in the car. We going to this party. I mean, that's, a, that's what I'm thinking the whole time. Like, I don't give a damn how you feel. So we going thing. to this party. Go to the party. It's only about 30 people there, man. And it's so funny because, look, I'm black. You go to somebody black house, you speak to the person whose house it is. Well, couldn't find him, but then the DJ was gone. So I was like, well, look, I'm going to dance, okay? I ain't afraid to dance. I was swept through a suit in a heartbeat. Yeah. Okay, and so man, we're, we're dancing, and uh, all of a sudden, Prince comes out, up to me, he's like, uh, you're welcome in my house anytime. And then, and of course, I danced all night. They, of course, put a concert on at 2.30 in the morning. We probably left around 6 a.m. About six months later, Sinbad said, man, Prince said you left scuffbox on his dance floor. So I'm all about, look, getting the dance on, so when you put on a show, I'm like, hey, damn all that trying to be cute, trying to be cool. You don't want to break out in a sweat. That's why they got cleaners to, to take care of that, that suit. Because I have a very simple philosophy, Morris. If I go to a concert or a party and I go home dry, I'm pissed. It sucked.
14: I hear you. But hey, if I'm I got cool to get like home that. and peel that suit off, that was a party. Hey, that's how I am. I party. I'm cool. But I definitely have to send my suits to the dry cleaner after I'm done. Now, I want y'all to check out everything happening at MorrisDayEntertainment.com. We got a new single, Head Rush, featuring Trinidad James. Video about to drop. Check it out, y'all. <laughs> all
4: right, then. Well, look, uh, we will do that. Uh, we will certainly uh, check it out, man. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, good luck in all that you do. Again, y'all, his Christmas song is cooler. This Santa Claus, I'll be listening to it as soon as I get done with the show. Mars Day, thanks a bunch, brother.
14: Thank you so much, bro
4: all right folks uh that's it for us hey, this is why we want y'all to support roland martin unfiltered for conversations just like that you could join us via of course uh join our bring the funk fan club every, every dollar you give goes to support this show the things that we do uh being here uh, on location in georgia covering the georgia senate runoff race we live stream uh, vice president elect kamala harris uh being uh in columbus georgia today folks what nobody what no other black media national black media there Folk not on the ground like we are. We're traveling all around this state uh, covering these issues. And so your dollars make all of that possible. And so we want you to support us in what we do by going to our cash app, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. Uh, you can go to RMUnfiltered uh, and check that out, please. Uh, you can also uh, support us uh, on uh, PayPal.me forward slash RMartinUnfiltered. Venmo.com is RMUnfiltered. You can also go to uh, Zell, Roland at RolandSmartin.com. Uh, you can support us there as well. Then, of course, uh, you can send the money or to New Vision Media, NU Vision Media Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Uh, Don't forget check out my iHeartRadio commentaries on the Black Information Network. You can also listen to the audio podcast of this show on iHeartRadio. Just simply download it and play it there as well. And so we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Folks, we had a fabulous day. We shall see you tomorrow. Uh, Enjoy. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Click that button to turn on your notifications and when we go live here from Georgia for a, a rally or an event, you will instantly know exactly uh, what is going on. It's all about keeping you up-to-date, informed, because we keep it real, we keep it black, we keep it unapologetic, and we keep it unfiltered. I'll see y'all tomorrow.
10: Holla!
9: From BBC Radio 4,